for hanging out with us today on the Ascent Church Podcast. We're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Thomas Lane. We hope this encourages you and meets you exactly where you are. Whatever battle you are fighting, know that you are not alone and we're all in this together. Here's today's message. Y'all follow me. Follow me to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 13. Let's start there. This is my man Moses. Somebody say Moses. And I know some of y'all are new to church or you're just logging in. You're like, what is this about? This is God's plan for your life. That's what we're talking about. And if you missed last week, that's cool. And if you're new to church, that's cool. We'll get you caught up really quick. Uh, Just to kind of get you caught up just a little bit. God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved. And my man Moses was a fugitive on the run. And God appeared to him in an unlikely place, in an unlikely season, and said, God essentially said to Moses, I'm going to work through you to bring your people and my people, the Israelites, out of slavery. God had a calling. Somebody say calling on his life. Follow me. Exodus 3.13. Moses said to God, suppose. Somebody say suppose. He said, what if? Let's say. And if you're at a place in life, you're like, how am I going to relate to Moses? I don't have any, I'm not in the wilderness. I'm not a shepherd. My people aren't enslaved to the Egyptians. I think we do this a lot, Crystal. I think we do. I think a lot of our prayer life is consumed with what ifs. God, suppose this happens. Let's say this goes down. I think this is part of the human condition. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? I just want to remind you that you have a purpose. Moses was called, and so are you. And what I want you to see as we study this today is that you have a calling on your life. Yes, you may be called to be a parent or a worker or a leader or a boss or a spouse. That's all good. But I think sometimes when we, when we look at calling, we just kind of, we, we, we almost like zoom in and we make it too small. You're like, I'm called to be a husband, called to be a wife, called to be a dad. That's all true. That's all good. But your calling, if it's from God, it will spill over and influence others. It's never just about your household. It starts there, but it has to go beyond that because God has a call in your life to change your neighborhood, to invite and to bring people to, 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 to church, to change this city, to change this world. I think you might know you have a calling, but I think it's our tendency to make it really small. I think God has so much for you. You have a calling. You have a purpose. But the challenge is that excuses prevent us from fulfilling our purpose. God comes to Moses and he gives, he kind of lays out this plan for him. And Moses doesn't respond with excitement. Moses doesn't respond with, oh, shucks, me. Moses responds with excuses. And I think we do the same. What we're going to do, we're going to dismantle these excuses that are preventing you from living out your purpose. I think one of the reasons sometimes we feel bored or understimulated or not excited or just kind of like we're going through the motions is because we're not living out our purpose. Nothing drowns more dreams than what if. Nothing drowns more dreams than what if. What if has killed more dreams and killed more potential than any other two words in the English language. And that's what Moses is kind of saying there. And that's what he actually does say later. He's like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And I'm so fearful. I'm so afraid that God has spoke to you to do something, to say yes, to take a step But sure, well, suppose this happens. What if this happens? What if they say no? 
What if things don't work out how I want? What, what, if, what if this pandemic lasts a little longer than I thought? I'm so fearful that this will um, almost prohibit and inhibit God's plan for your life. That's why we're talking about this today. Week one, we talked about insecurity. God came to Moses and called him to do something. And Moses essentially said, who am I to do this? Look at my past. Look at my struggle. Look at my lack of experience. If that, that was last week. If you're a little insecure, that's okay. Moses was too. You can check that out on the podcast or on YouTube. This week, we're focusing on fear. We're focusing on anxiety. The title of the sermon is this, When Anxiety Holds Me Back. When Anxiety Holds Me Back, for those of you taking notes in the house and online, when anxiety holds me back, the most common fear in our society is personal failure. That's our biggest thing that holds us back. What if I mess up? What if I drop the ball? I am very familiar with anxiety and fear. My whole life, I had a stutter. And some of y'all who are, have been here for a year, so you, you know that about me, but I used to have a stutter. I used to be so afraid to do something even simple as answer the phone or to meet someone new or to shake a hand or to do like a school project was just horrifying. I would have dreams about it, nightmares. And it was almost like this. It was almost like I knew I had a stutter and I was so afraid that I might stutter that it made me stutter. Does that ever happen to you? Like you're so afraid that that thing that you dread might happen and actually caused it to happen. It's like I would think about it. Don't stutter. Don't mess up. Don't drop the ball, which would make me get tight and make me get stressed. And then as a result, I would stutter. Some of y'all are, that's really how you are. You, you're so consumed with the fear. You lock up. You get awkward. You get weird. You overthink. And as a result, the thing that you're afraid of actually happens. We're going to celebrate our birthday soon, our anniversary soon. Ascent is turning three, baby. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. And I'm the type, I stretch, out a, I stretch out a birthday. Anyone else stretch out your birthday? It's not just a day. It's like a month, okay? And we're going to stretch this thing out. I'm telling you now, but it's going to be in the next few weeks. We're going to have like food and parties and celebrations. We're, we're not just doing the day. That is week, okay? God's doing too much here. We're going to stretch this thing out a little bit. But three years or so ago, when this church was starting, I was scared out of my mind. I had this recurring nightmare, this recurring fear that no one would show up. Literally, we would start church and it was day one and we'd be up here and literally it would just be empty. And I had it all the time. It wasn't just like a one-time thing. Over and over and over. Y'all, nothing drowns more dreams than what if. I have a question for you. Maybe someone asked Moses this. I want to ask it to you. How often do you spend mental energy on something that might not even happen? Think about that for a second. How much of your prayer life is consumed with that? How much of your thought space? How much mental energy, maybe even physical energy too, because it drains you, do you spend on things that might not even happen? Moses is talking to God. He's in the presence of God. And he's not asking him about details. He's, he's giving him fictitious situations. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? I think we do the exact same thing. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Somebody say, I am. Now, a name in, in Hebrew, in, in the Bible, is so much more than just, are you like a Jim or a Bob or a Sally? It's not just like a name. It's an identity. Moses isn't just saying, what's your name? What should I put in my phone to call you when I need you? He's saying, not just what's your name. He's saying, can I trust you? 
Like, who are you really deep down? Not only what do I call you, but what's your name? Can I trust you? And God essentially says, my name is I am. In Hebrew, it's the word Yahweh. It means I am. It's four letters. In English, it's Y-W-H-W, or Y-H-W-H. Um, the fancy theological word is the tetragrammaton. It's a big, fancy word for those four letters, I am. God says, I am. But there's so much to this, I can't just go over it, because in the Hebrew, it's a complicated language. There's actually a lot to this name that it's easy to miss, because you can, you can translate it, I am, but you can also translate it in different tenses. Did you know that? One way to translate God's name is this, I have always been who I've always been. Moses says, who are you? Can I trust you? Are you going to get me through this? And God answered, I've always been who I've always been. Another way to answer it is this, I am who I am. Another way to read God's name is I will be who I will be. And what I love about the name of God is it covers the past, the present, and the future. Watch this again. I have always been who I have always been. I am the changeless, unbeginningless God. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I've always been who I've always been. He's covering the past. He says, I am who I am. He's also the God of the present. He's right there before us. He's right there with us. And finally, I will be who I will be. That's the future. I came to tell somebody, God's big enough for your past, your present, and your future. God is big enough to redeem whatever lies in your past. God is big enough to walk you through whatever is in your present. And my God is strong enough and kind enough and wise enough to get you through whatever the future throws at you. The God who is big enough for your past and your present is also big enough for your future. Because what Moses' fear is that it's that. He's like, yeah, you're the God of my ancestors. That's fine. You got me through that. You're here with me now. Whatever. He's really asking, are you going to get me through this next season? And a lot of you, if I were to sit down with you and say, tell me your story, you would say, God has been so faithful to me every step of the way, past. And if, if, if I were to say, is he with you now? You'd say, yeah, he's with me now. I worship him now. I feel him now. But if I were to say, what's your concern? What's your hesitation? You would say, I'm afraid about what the future holds. My God, who's big enough for the past and the present, is also big enough for the future. Don't forget that. Don't forget that there's so much more to his name than meets the eye. 15, God also said to Moses, he's going to keep going. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. If you struggle with anxiety like I did and still sometimes do, if you struggle with fear, I wrote a prayer for you. I wrote a prayer for you. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's based on God's name. It's based on who God reveals himself to be in his name, Yahweh. I'm just going to speak it over you right now. I'll say it nice and slow. The God who's always been there is here with me now and will always be with me. Let me break it down. The God who's always been there, past, is here with me now, present. And will always be with me. And if you're feeling assaulted by the devil 
or because you've watched too much of the news and you're just full of anxiety and confusion and fear. David did this. You got to learn to do this. You got to preach to yourself. You got to remind yourself how good and faithful and present your God is. And you almost have to remind yourself what you think you know, but you got to say it, that he's always been there. He's with me now and he will be with me in the future. The God who's always been there. It's the past. Is here with me now. That's the present. Will always be with me. That's what God's telling his people. That's why he's mentioning the ancestors. Did you catch that? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's saying, dude, I've been with you this whole time. I've been with your family. I've been with your ancestors. And I'm looking you in the face now. What makes you think I'm going to leave you? What makes you think I'm going to turn my back on you? Moses answered. Now, I would hope if that was me or you, that would be enough, right? Because that's pretty powerful. You're looking God face to face. You would think you'd be like, I'm satisfied. I'm good. Thank you. Moses answered, what if? Somebody say, what if? He's back at it. But our God is so patient. He hears him out. Because you may be through some moments where you're like fired up with the spirit and God is there and you're ready to just go and say, yes, Lord, and do it. And then a week goes by and you're like, well, I got some doubts. I got some hesitations. I got some questions. But my God is just as faithful then as he was before. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, he said, What is that in your hand? A stick, he replied. A staff. Now let me remind you, if God asks you a question, it's never for his benefit, it's for yours. Okay? And it's easy to look through this passage and be like, you know, whatever, whatever. You kind of go through it. But like if God asks you a question, we just saw how big and powerful he is. God knows a shepherd needs a staff. He needs a stick. Okay, God isn't like, I've never seen this before. What is that? Is this new? What is this thing? He asked him, what is that in your hand? Somebody say, duh. Duh, it's a staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And he ran from it. Now, I'm going to give you three little steps. Because so far, what I've given you is just kind of theology and big picture stuff. If you're honestly like, dude, I struggle with anxiety, I have issues, I got some stuff, or maybe someone close to me does, what are some practical steps? The first thing you got to do, I want to I teach you this, is number one, you got to throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground. If you're taking notes, that's number one. Throw it on the ground. There is something you are holding on to, which you must be willing to release to God. This thing was a thing of safety. A shepherd needs a staff. Moses was holding on to that stick for years and years and years. Some of you have held on to a thought pattern for years and years and years. Some of you, every time something potentially bad could happen, you play out every scenario because you're like, I want to be prepared and I want to play what if. And you think that's helping you and it's a safety blanket, but you've got to throw it down because it ends up that thing is something very dangerous. And when you see its true form, you might actually run from it. You got to throw it down. There's two categories of, I think, thought patterns which I think really get to us and destroy us. The first is lies. The second is fears. We're going to start with lies. That's the easiest one. 
okay? If there's a lie in your head from the devil, from a magazine, from the news, from whatever, you must counter it with Scripture. And when I say a lie, I mean something about your self-worth or your body image or can God really forgive me or, or does God really hold the future? If you're presented with a lie, you must counter it with the truth. When Jesus was in the wilderness getting tempted by the devil, when the devil was assaulted him with stuff left and right, Jesus answered it. He countered it with Scripture. This is one of the reasons we need to be in the Word, because if not, we're defenseless. This is another reason we need a group. Okay? Sunday's great. I hope Sunday is the best hour of your week. I hope you look forward to it, and you bring your friends, and you miss it when you're not here. I do, but an hour a week ain't the Christian life. And it's not going to get you through the battles that God is calling you to fight. If there's a lie about your worth or value or forgiveness, you must counter them. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. Paul says, we demolish arguments. Somebody say demolish. That's an aggressive word. I like it. It makes me think of a sledgehammer or a wrecking ball or something powerful, right? Some of us, we're too passive. Right? We're getting attacked and we're like curling up in a ball and we're like, please stop. Right? But we're not called to do that. We're called to demolish some stuff. Put on your hard hat and your safety goggles. Get a sledgehammer. It's time to get to work. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, another aggressive word I like, we take captive. Somebody say, take captive. We storm the castle, we raise our flag, we defeat the enemy, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. Somebody say every thought. Not some thoughts, not half the thoughts. The battle for your future will be won or lost up here. And you can no longer be passive. We can no longer just let it happen. We got to be active. Your mindset, what you're looking for, what you're acknowledging, what you're ignoring is so, so important. When a lie comes at you, you must answer it with scripture. You've got to be aggressive. You've got you to demolish it. You've got to take captive every single thought. Jenny Allen wrote this book called Get Out of Your Head. People say it's good. My wife read it. She lo- I haven't read it yet. I haven't. She, she, she read it. She, she loves it. We're going to give away two copies for someone who needs it. If you're not connected with us on social, connect with us. Um, we're going to give away this week two autographed copies of her book. Now, they're autographed by me. <laughs> I don't know her. It's going to say, you can do it, Pastor T, or something like that. Something inspirational. Okay? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, I don't really want it anymore. <laughs> All right? Um, but this can help you. These resources can help you. There is lies. That's the first category. That's the easy one because you answer it with Scripture. The second one, guys, is fear. Somebody say fears. Now, this is the tricky one because lies, if, if the devil tells you you have no worth or that you use goods, you can answer that with Scripture. That, that's kind of easy. But a fear is something that could potentially happen. And this is the hard one. What if the fear is, what if my child gets sick? What if I never recover from this? What if I lose my job? Okay. And if you look in the Bible for an answer to that, these things do happen. And so the, 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 the challenge is, where, where do I go? Where do I turn? Because these things can happen. My children can get sick. You could be lonely for another year. You could be single. There could be a financial disaster. And when we pursue these thoughts 
It's the spiritual equivalent of WebMD. You ever been to WebMD? Right? You have like a tummy ache and you look it up. Do me a favor. Don't look it up. Because you're like, I'm dying today. Okay, you have a headache, your pinky hurts. You look and it's like, I got to amputate it. That's all I can do. It's not going to work. Okay, don't go to WebMD for something wrong with your body. Don't spiritually, in a sense, go to WebMD. Don't, don't run down this path. Nothing's going to work out. Look what Paul says to do. There's this psychological principle. And I like what it's called. It's called, it's called bouncing. You got to bounce. And that's what we say when you got to leave quickly. Like you're at a party, you know, it's like, let's bounce. I got to bounce. Are you ready to bounce? And the idea psychologically, and it lines up with scripture, is that when this thought comes in your head, what if this, suppose that, you got to just, you got to, you see it? Oh, and you got to bounce away. You just got to, you got to hit it and just go. You got to bounce. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And if for a second, if your mental space is preoccupied with what if my kids are sick, what if I lose my job, that's not praiseworthy. That's not noble. That's not right. That's not pure. That's not lovely. That's not admirable. I came to tell you, you got to bounce. Somebody say it with me. You got to bounce. You got to bounce. This is the equivalent of driving and constantly being afraid you're going to get a flat tire. And you, you, you shut off the radio, you shut off the air, and you're just like, and every, every time you hit a bump, you're like, what was that? And every time you hit a little bump or something feels weird, you pull over and you look and you check the tire pressure and you're like, I seem to be okay. Let's get back in the car. Friends, you're going to get a flat tire eventually, but you can't live like that. Something bad may happen one day to your family or to you, but you can't live like that. You can't live constantly in fear, looking over your shoulder. The will of God for your life is to focus and think about things which are good, which are true, which are noble, and which are praiseworthy. Now, you don't have to answer me. You don't have to raise your hand. But where is the majority of your mental real estate right now? Don't answer me. But I don't think if you'd say, you know, it's very praiseworthy. I think we got a lot of what ifs. I think we got a lot of supposes. Moses was the same way. God still used him. God can still use you. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. But he can't, I don't think, unless we throw it down. We got to start there. I'm kind of lazy when it comes to yard work. And I had this little weed in my yard. Maybe it was a shrub. I don't know the difference. And it was there. You know what I'm talking about? And it was there, and I was like, I'll get it next week. You know what I'm talking about? And then it grew a little bit. And I was like, I'll get it next week. And then I don't know what happened, but now I swear this thing's at least 15 feet, feet tall. I don't know what happened to it. It's not, a, it's not like something I planted, okay? The tomato plant we have is actually, it actually is, one of them's dead, okay? I didn't mean to do this, but it was like this little stupid thing, and I'm like, not worth my time. But now it's somehow, like the fence had a gap, it like somehow grew through the fence, right? It like wedged into the fence, and now it's, it's like we have a new tree in the yard. And the problem is now, I can't just yank it out. It's going to take a procedure. It's going to take some time to get through that. Thoughts are the same way. When they're little, you can bounce. You can just yank it out. But if you let that thing get ingrained there, get buried there, get trapped there, grow there, 
it becomes much harder to yank it out. You got to bounce. You got to bounce. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. The first thing you've got to do is throw it down. The second thing you must do is allow God to transform it. Because that stick is actually a snake. That thought pattern, that thing, that excuse you've been holding on to a long time, you might not even notice it anymore. That thing you're holding on to is not just a stick. It's not helping you. It's not there for your protection. It's actually a snake. But the good news is my God can transform it. My God can transform everything. But it starts with throwing it down. Number one, throw it down. Number two, allow God to transform it. Verse five, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord... The God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. Once again, don't miss what God's doing. He's not doing this really for his, for Moses' comfort. He's saying, dude, we're demolishing these arguments. We're throwing some stuff down. We're transforming some stuff. Don't miss what we're doing here. This is to bless the world. This is to bless others. Friends, what we have to do is this. We must throw it down. We must allow God to transform it. And then we must embrace the miracle. Rather than focus on what might happen in your life, let's focus on what my God promises will happen. If you're at a place and you're like, I just can't get these thoughts out of my head, just start listening to them. Just start listening to them because my God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. My God promises that you are a child of his my God promises that you, more, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. My God promises that no weapon formed against you shall stand. My God promises to come back here himself and make everything right. My God promises that we will live with him in the new heavens and the new earth and that he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Today is your day. This is your moment. God has too big a plans for you, for you to keep holding on to those lies. I want you to look back on this day and know something. That God called me here in this moment on this day to throw it down. To allow God to transform it. And to embrace the miracle. Because God does have a plan for your life. It's greater. It's bigger. It's wilder than you could have ever asked or imagined. And friends, he's just getting started. We hope you enjoyed this message and we love to stay connected. So make sure to click subscribe. We love to spread the word and you can help take this message to others. Leaving a quick review, sharing it with someone or connecting with us on social all make a huge difference. And a special thanks to you who give generously to make this ministry possible. And if God is calling you to partner with us, visit us at ascentchurch.net. We love you and know that you are not alone.